It's one thing to report on the weather from the comfort of an ABC studio and quite another to be out in it day after day as a farmer. This is something Graham Creed and his partner Bridget discovered when they bought a farm in the Hunter region of New South Wales. In his new book, Weatherman Goes Bush, Graham shares the many ups and downs of life at the mercy of the elements. Graham, welcome. Thank you, Hilary. Great to be here. Now, you've always loved studying and talking about weather and the climate. How has living out on the farm changed your appreciation of it? Yeah, I suppose it's a it's a totally different viewpoint that I'm experiencing. So I always thought that when I was presenting the weather, I I was had a fairly good grasp of how it impacted people. But I, I think probably the, the one thing that I, I never realised was the emotional aspect of weather events, particularly severe weather events such as drought, bushfire, not that that's a weather event in itself, but it's it's weather related in association with drought and extremely hot conditions and very windy. Um, and also the lack of rainfall at times. And it's when you're actually trying to do day-to-day activities on the farm and those activities are dictated or or impacted by these weather events that you, you really sort of get to realise that emotional association with that weather event, you know, whether that be a, a good or a bad thing. At the moment, I'm looking out at my window and I can see some rain in the distance, but I watered my vegetable garden this morning because I just don't think we're going to get enough rain to keep it going over the next day or two. So I, I still have to maintain that water. And it, it's like I never really thought about that as far as presenting the weather. You know, I might say that, you know, the potential of rain's not that great, but when you're actually having to face that, it's making those decisions on, well, do I water the vegetables or do I not need to? Can I go do something else? Yeah. Yeah, and it's not until you're actually in that point that you you get that personalised feeling associated with those those weather conditions. Well, and there's so much less control, isn't there, than having an office job where you have set start and finish times generally and you, you have a set series of tasks. Farming is, is so much less about what we want to do and more about what we can do, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes, totally. And, and I don't think I realised that adequately enough either you know it, it is one of those things it's you you plan you plan your week's jobs and what needs to be done and then you look at the weather forecast to work out well okay so i need to do this this day i need to do this that day and i need to do this before it rains but you know then the rain will come a day earlier than you you're expecting and so that throws everything into turmoil and you know, the, we always say you're always at the mercy of the weather and that sort of thing. But when you when you really are, you really are. <laughs> it's, you, was, you just have to sit there and and hope. I was wondering if everyone in the local area, Graham, is beating a path to your door, saying he might have special intel on the weather. Is that rain coming early? Yeah, well, I suppose yeah, before I moved here, we, we'd had the farm about eight years and I, I was quite active on the, the local local Facebook page. So I did often put information on there. And there were some local farmers, particularly on our road, that um, we always stop and chat and, is this rain going to come or when's this rain going to stop or, you know, is it going to warm up or cool down? Or so. And, and the interesting thing is different farmers, because they 
do different produce, they require different things from the weather and that's all at the same time. So one wanting rain and the other one wanting some dry weather and one wanting it hot and the other one not liking the hot weather, it's it's quite a delicate balance. Well, Graham, tell us a bit about the, the vision that you had for the farm when you and Bridget first bought it and how things panned out in the end. Yeah, so I suppose initially when we bought the property, it was somewhere we could go to to get away from the city, to get away from our jobs. Um, Bridget was in a corporate position, so a lot of the time she was working 24-7 or she was available 24-7 in her role. And so for us, it was somewhere that we could just come to and breathe. We had no television here. The phone signal was really poor. We were off-grid. So it was it really was an escape. We used to get to the front gate. And you just let out a sigh of relief. And we sort of over time thought, you know, this will be our retirement place. We can build a house and this will be, you know, uh, where we we come to when we retire from work. So we, we always had those plans. And we sort of thought we'd leave it for a year and work out what actually happens on the farm as far as the different different seasons and the different weather conditions. And we just sort of dabbled with a few things. We grew some different vegetables. Wallabies are uh, everywhere here. So we wanted to see what survived the wallabies without having to be fenced and what wouldn't. So it sort of gave us some ideas around what we could grow um, and, and produce. We decided to get some bees. So we planted a whole stack of native plants that would provide some extra food for the bees throughout the the year not that we really needed to there's just so many different things in flower here throughout the year and the bees never struggled and they they were always out and about even in winter and so it just sort of grew from there and then we were starting to produce produce so garlic we also grew our own vegetables here and so from that it sort of became well actually we could we could do something here that that could make some money. And so that sort of grew as well. And then that got us to the point where we thought, you know, this is really where we want to be. Bridget could work from home. Um, I unfortunately couldn't, but um, we just looked at our finances. Were we able to do it? And we just decided, yep, we can, let's let's go. There's no reason why we shouldn't do it. Yep. Particularly at our age, it was sort of like, you know, everyone's saying that they're, they're sick of working and but they've still got another 10, 15 years to go. We, we were sort of in a position where we could pull the plug on that and just make a certain amount of money off the farm to be able to um, continue surviving. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we just jumped. And um, even while we've been here, though, in that first 12 months, our, our view of the farm really changed as well, having been here full time. And we, we sort of looked at going down more a, a conservancy part. So we're still farming. But we've got a lot of revegetation here and also natural vegetation. And so we thought, you know, perhaps we need to protect all this for the future, particularly against climate change and, you know, provide a bit of a haven for all the, the native animals in the area. And so that, that was a, a focus that changed as well. So we sort of reduced the area that we looked at farming and then the rest of it we're looking at putting into a, a natural Nature Conservancy. Well, a couple of questions spring up from me there, re- reading your book, Graham Creed, which is called Weatherman Goes Bush. Uh, are there things that you are worried about as the climate changes? I mean, one of the things you do is grow flowers, and that's very weather dependent. They're quite fragile little beasts. Uh, are you anxious about the, the future, weather-wise? Look, as far as the farm goes, it's really quite interesting because we – so the flowers 
the main flowers that we grow, proteas, leucodendrons and leucospernum, so that's for cut flower production. Um, my partner was born in Kenya and she lived uh, a lot of her early adult life in South Africa, so that's where the connection is to those flowers. And we sort of thought, well, we've got the right climate. It, it's hot, it, it's not too wet, and we've got different um, microclimates across the farm. So we had a good spot that the humidity wouldn't be a problem because we've got good airflow. But we put the we put the plants in. The one thing we never never really considered at that point was that we we're going to have three years of wet weather, <laughs> and then where it, it really just didn't stop raining. If there's one thing proteas don't like, it's really wet weather. And so you know we put these plants in, and it never stopped raining. We just thought we were going to lose them all, and um, it, it was amazing that they. The majority of them survived. We lost two species of leucodendrons, but they were at the very bottom end of the hill. So, of course, the further down you go, the wetter it stays for longer. Um, yeah, and then then the rain stopped, and we discovered that our little flower heads were dying off. And then we realised that we had to water them. <laughs> we're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> just the, those learnings all the way along. It's like, oh, okay, so. When it's hot and dry, you do actually have to water them if you want flowers. Yep, there's so, a lot of trial and yeah. error in this book. Yeah. Well, the other yeah. question, though, that I, I found myself asking was because it was interesting to read that you were initially quite careful about how you presented yourselves, particularly about the level of your greenness in your approach to farming and your stance on climate change. And I know there's diversity of opinion among farmers around the country on how to approach climate change. Was it a sensitive topic in your area, Graham? It is and it probably will still be for quite some time. Um, the problem with climate change and having a discussion around climate change, I think, is there's there's three different components to it. There's the the political component, and I'm just not prepared to when I'm in a conversation go down that path. Um, I always see it that the personal component, so what what the individual wants to do about climate change so some people don't see it as a, a reality and so they don't really want to do anything but others see it as a reality and are experiencing it and so they're making adjustments to their lifestyle or to the way that they farm to alleviate that and then the third one is the science of climate change so it's it's that one the science of climate change that i'm more than happy to talk about and quite passionate about and trying to to change people's perceptions on some of the inaccuracies that are abound out there around climate change science. Mm. But that often then leads into the personal as well. And you you know you can you can talk about what you've seen and what other people have experienced. So those two points are quite good. And and it is surprising you can find a lot of people that that you can have really good conversations with, and even those that aren't necessarily convinced yet that climate change is really going to have a big impact on them. We're speaking with Graham Creed. His book is called Weatherman Goes Bush, and it's a fascinating look at uh, what happens when you, you leave the office with a very good knowledge of how the weather works, and you have to go and put it into practice on an actual living, breathing farm. Text messages on 0418 Margaret says, farming jobs, yes, there are many for daytime, for nighttime, for when it's raining, and for when you have run out of money. <laughs> very yes, good point, yes. Margaret. <laughs> well, and I understand, <laughs> Graham, true. that you're a bit famous in your local area for your bees and you write this beautiful passage about the the wonder of lifting off the lid of the hive and looking in. Tell us a little bit about that sense of wonder that you've discovered in farming. 
Yes, and and it's not just bees, but bees, I suppose, is the for me it was a, a real awakening. Um, before we got the bees, I decided I was going to go and do a bee course, and that's because I was actually a little bit scared. Um, you know, I, I knew there really wasn't anything to be scared about, but I thought I, I need to do a course just to make sure. And and that first time in the course that we opened the hive, I was just fascinated. You know, the, all those fears vanished and just the amazing sight of lifting out a frame of covered in bees and they just kept on doing their job you know they, they kept on doing what they were doing they weren't worried about you one or two of them you know the the um the bees the protection bees were sort of flying around you but it, it, it was just a an amazing thing to experience and every time i opened a beehive it was the same you just sort of were fascinated with what they were doing and and how each of them had a specific job and they just went about that job regardless. How are you feeling about the varroa mite invasion, Graham, that we've seen move through New South Wales and Victoria this year? Oh, we, we actually lost our hives. Oh. Um, we fell into a 10-kilometre eradication zone, so we lost our hives um, earlier this year. So that was that was. Absolutely devastating, um, and we're, we're still not we're still not sure whether we will get back into um, European bees. But interestingly, one thing that we did notice once the bee numbers had eased off, we still had wild hives around, so we, we still have honey bees flying around the farm. But as varroa really begins to take over, those those hives will all vanish; they'll be killed off by the mite. But the one thing that we did notice was the increase in native bees, and it was it was really quite quick and very dramatic. And so over the weekend, I actually did a um, native bee course, and it's looking at um, keeping native bees and just just for the environment. I think it's such a fabulous thing that we, we have these bees that do all the all the pollination that the European bees were doing. But they live on such a smaller range, so you need lots more of them to be able to do the same job as a European honeybee. So they travel around 8,000 hectares in distance, whereas a honeybee will only travel about 500 metres away from its hive. So you know you need a lot more of them to be able to maintain that, the productivity of vegetables and things like that. But they're just as fascinating. And it's phenomenal. They're they're very similar patterns to European bees. So, um, you know, out of out of the tragedy of losing our bees, there's this whole new adventure that we're we're looking at, and um, hopefully we can really turn that into something. And and even the education aspect of native bees. Mm. Well, and Graham, the book is full of learning. You know, there's so many things that you've had to go through, the protea issue, the, the varroa mite disaster, uh, a controlled burn that didn't quite go to plan, lots of learnings. <laughs> yeah. Are there times that you've uh, questioned the decision to give up city life? No, and it's quite fascinating. Um, no, there, there are days and there are days where it's really hard. Um, you know, you're out in the paddock, it's hot. You're trying to do something, it just doesn't work. Um, you just sort of think, oh, you know, it wasn't meant to be this hard. So that's probably the thing that I say most. I don't think I've ever said I wish I hadn't done it or I wish we were back in the city. 
I, I love the lifestyle. Um, yeah, and I, I think also for me, because I was a weatherman and I was always fascinated in the weather, and when I worked for the Bureau of Meteorology as a weather observer, I was out in the field all the time. And so I think once I started the television career, I lost a bit of that. And when I was able to then go back out and be in the paddock, I just felt at home. So it, it was sort of an awakening in that respect that, you know, this is really where I feel comfortable and where I want to be. There's, I, yeah, there's some very beautiful bits in the book where you, you describe having a coffee on the back veranda with the dogs watching the sun come up and then moving through the tasks of the day. It's a, a beautiful thing. Graham, thanks so much for chatting with us just a little bit today about what the farm means to you. Thank you, Hilary. Pleasure. Graham Creed, sorry, Graham Creed is a former ABC weather presenter from Sydney and his book, Weatherman Goes Bush. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.